Welcome to the Taurus Community Church Podcast. We believe as a community, God wants us to learn to be with Him, to be like Him, and to do the things of Christ. If you want to find out more about today's topic or want to connect with us further, head to www.tarascommunitychurch.com.au. Enjoy today's episode. Uh, good morning, everybody. Fantastic to see everyone. Happy Mother's Day. Let's do another big round of applause for all our... Wonderful mums. I love that, Alistair. Just a really aggressive crap in your wife's face. That's fantastic. That's what. That's true love. True love. But honestly, we just want to celebrate women today. We want to celebrate those of you that are mums, step-mums, grandmums, soon to be mums and want to be mums and all the rest of it. Um, you guys are just phenomenal. And today really should be a very, very special day where our entire community should come around and together and just be able to celebrate and uplift women and just declare how wonderful you um, you guys are. It's, at our youth group, there's a, a really special dynamic that I love. A really special dynamic. Because you see, we've got quite a few... Like our youth group seems to be a little bit smaller at the moment, but it seems to be really consistent. We seem to be getting these same uh, young boys in particular turn up week in, week out. And a number of these are from... <laughs> Hello, Camilla. And a number of these are from really broken families, really traumatic families, and all that they want to do is play down ball, I swear. All that they come to youth group for, they don't even come for the pizza any longer, they just come to be able to play down ball. Like, I go up and I try to talk to them, and they're just, they don't even, they're like, yeah, Jono, you're not so cool anymore. And they just, all they want to do is play down ball. And uh, it's really hard some weeks trying to do anything with them. But this year we've been really blessed because uh, the lovely Anne, Anne has decided to come along and be a grandma to our youth group. And I remember when she first was considering the idea and when she first broached it with me, she's like, oh, do you think it would be okay? Like, I don't really want to ruin the vibe or I don't want to destroy the atmosphere. I don't want to, you know, upset the apple cart if the kids think I'm uncool or anything like this. And I'm like, no, no, it'll be fine, Anne. We'd love to have you come along and be a grandma. We'd love that. And anyway, first week, Anne rocks up and um, she sits down on the, the red couches that are in the corner of the entrance or the exit, however you want to see it. And I swear, for most of, the <laughs> most of every week of that youth group, Anne can barely hear a thing because the music's too loud. <laughs> but she sits there, she loves the kids, she prays for the kids, she honours the kids, and she's just so pleased, so pleasant just to be present with these young people. And it's this beautiful thing. And what I've loved watching is that every week, Kids just sort of like get upset, they get happy, they sort of do the emotional roller coaster as young people do, especially young people who struggle to regulate their emotional world. But week after week, I turn around and I see one of these young boys that all that they want to do is play down ball. They've found their way over onto the red couch beside Anne and they're having a conversation and every the conversation just goes something like, Anne will just ask them, tell me a little bit about you, tell me about your home. And these kids, they just sit there, for the first time that I've ever seen that they're just still, <laughs> they're present, they're just in the moment, and they're just being loved. There's something special, there's something beautiful that's happening when a young person comes in contact with a grandma, and these kids, they don't necessarily have another environment like that. And there's just something so beautiful about a mother. There's something so beautiful about what a grandmother can give. And I've absolutely adored watching that dynamic over the past, I don't know, 10 weeks now, and Anne's done a phenomenal job. So I'd just really like to honour Anne this morning. Can we all give Anne a really big round of applause? I know she might feel like she doesn't do anything special or significant because it's not like we're asking her to, to speak, even though she could speak beautifully. But she's just being present. And there's something beautiful, there's something significant, there's something that our society so needs about a mother's voice. And um, it's really beautiful to see. But anyway, this morning we're talking about uh, women. We're talking about Mother's Day. 
But we're continuing our series about justice. Because for those of us that are on the pathway of following Jesus, we talk about it as being like an apprentice to a master, about how we're, we're following in the footsteps of. And one of the things that Jesus was known for, one of the things that he did really well, was that everywhere he went, he did justice. He participated in making the world a more just place. And so for us to be able to imitate our rabbi, to imitate our master, we too must learn what it is to do justice in our day-to-day world. Some of us think that this is such a huge topic and too big because it feels very global and it feels very policy-driven and it feels very advocate-driven. But one of the secrets to Jesus as we've been looking at this series is so much of justice happens in our one-to-one relationships, in our neighbour-to-neighbour, brother-to-brother, sister-to-sister, everyday types of interactions. So this morning I've got the great privilege of one, celebrating mothers with you, women uh, by extension with you, but we're actually going to be looking at how can we make our society more just for women. How can we participate in divine justice this Mother's Day, but all days, so that women have got a, a fairer, uh, more just society to, to be able to live in? So before we go any further, I might just quickly pray for us this morning, if that's okay with you. God, you are so good. You are so, so good. I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for mothers everywhere. And I just pray that as we gather around your word this morning, that we might honour you, that we might esteem you. But as we do so, I just pray that you might give us a glimpse into your kingdom into the way that you've designed man and woman. I pray that we might um, discover you more deeply and as a result that we might fall in love with you more deeply. And I pray that the fruit from conversations such as this morning, that it might mean that our world becomes a little more just each and every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now our world sorely needs this conversation about justice, especially around women and mothers, because our world is severely broken. I pulled up a few stats. I could have gone into any number of different areas to sort of illuminate how broken our society is, but I sort of thought that on this day that it would be really important for us to focus in on the domestic violence sort of stats. So I've got four stats here that I'd like to share with you to sort of illustrate how important this conversation is. One in five women have been sexually assaulted or threatened since the age of 15. So these stats are Australian, and that is absolutely horrific. One in five. One in five. You think of your workplace, think about how many women you work with, you think about the shops, you think about the supermarkets, you think about the youth group, you think about your children's school. One in five women have been sexually assaulted after the age of 15. One woman a week is killed as a result of violence from a current or previous partner. And it's one man a month if we were to flip the statistic around the other way. But one woman a week loses her life. 2,800 women were hospitalised. This is the 2014-15 statistic. 2,800 women were hospitalised after being assaulted by a partner. That's 2,800 too many. We might love Australia, we might love our society, we might love our culture, we might love our community, we might think that we live in the great southern land. That's too many. And this last one I find horrific, because this one speaks to a power imbalance. 72,000 women, let me say that again, 72,000 women, 34,000 children, had to access homeless services due to domestic violence in one year. 72,000 women, whereas for the men it was only 9,000. That is horrific. That is tragic. Friends, I don't mean to be an absolute buzzkill this morning, but part of doing justice and following in the footsteps of Jesus is that we don't ignore the elephant in the room and that as a man I've got a duty to acknowledge my voice and to use my voice as well to the conversation. But this is not well. 
our society is not healthy. And Jesus talks about how from, a, from the fruit we could discern the tree. And I'm here to tell you this morning that our tree is not necessarily very healthy. Our society is not safe enough for women. Our society does not honour women very well. Our society does not celebrate women very well. Our society does not provide freedom and respect to women very well. We've got a lot more that we can do. But thankfully, this is not the way that it was intended to be. This is not the society that God designed. This is not the way that it's supposed to be or even the way that it could be. And we get a beautiful picture of the way that God created or God intended our society to be in in the creation story of Genesis. So we're going to flick over onto there now. Thank you, boys. But in this opening story, we get this perfect picture. We get this beautiful picture of what the kingdom of God's really like, about what the kingdom of God on earth was supposed to look like. And in this picture of the kingdom of God, we see that there are two principles that we see immediately with the dynamic between man and female, and those are this. Man and woman have got equal value, equal dignity, equal respect. They've got equal value. And then the second thing is is that they've got equal calling. Man and woman have got equal calling in the world. Okay, Equal value, equal calling. Let's read through this in Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, so we're made in the image of God, right? In our likeness so that they, not just man, but they, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. Again, foundationally, we are all created in the image of God. That's where our dignity, that's where our value, that's where our inherent worth as human beings comes from. So when we talk about how you are worth so, so much, young person or old person or middle-aged person, it's not just a pump-up speech that's designed by the world like a cheerleading slogan that's just emptied and based off nothing, but rather we know that we have inherent worth because we are made in the image of God. Man and woman equally made in the image of God. And God blessed them, man and woman, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. So here's his commission. Here's his commission to us to go out and to steward the world, right? This is the original commission. (laughs) But God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Friends, to honour women, we have to look at our underlying uh, ideology We have to look at our underlying philosophy because quite clearly with those stats that we looked at before, our world has got some really corrupt, some really broken ideologies. Our world has got some really broken ways of thinking about men and women. And when we look at the garden, when we look at God's original creation, we see that he made us both in his image. It's not that we worship a male God and that we are therefore males are more esteemed, but rather male and female are both made in the image of God. We've got equal value, equal dignity, equal respect, equal worth. And we've each got an equal calling. So it's not that male has got a greater calling in life than females. It's not that there's a tier system that's at play here. It's not that one's subservient to the other one, but rather male and female together have got an equal calling in this world. This is the foundation for our belief. This is the foundation for equity. This is the foundation for our equality. Now, I know a lot of people sort of get confused and they get hung up on it. In the next chapter, in chapter 2 of Genesis, it talks about Eve as being a helper. And so I'd like to just quickly dispel this one to to help us understand it. So twice in this chapter, it describes Eve as helper. It says, this is just one of them, it's in verse 18. I think the second one was like verse 22 or something, I can't recall. Anyway, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for men to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. I'll make a helper. So for years and years and years, for centuries, the church has 
understood these verses and it has resulted in a tiered system of understanding male and female in the home and male and female in the community. There's been a, a thought that females are born to be a helper, to be subservient, to be second class to men because of the way that we understand this word helper. But the actual original Hebrew for it was this word azir. I don't actually know how to pronounce that, so apologies if I've got that wrong. But azir, it actually means someone who saves. Or it actually means like something closer to like a tutor, something like this. So in the Old Testament, that word azir is used 21 times. Twice it's used in this chapter to describe Eve. Three times it's used to describe um, when Israel was in captivity, when it was in bondage, and then it it pleaded to a greater nation to come and save them. So three times Israel cried out, Azir, Azir. Right? So it kind of doesn't quite make sense if we think of it as being a helper. But then the remaining 16 times in the Old Testament that this word is used, this word is used to describe a God that saves us. It's used to describe a God who would come and rescue me in my helplessness. It's used to describe a God who's strong and capable and competent, who's able to save me in my helplessness. So this is the context of that word, azir. And it's hard to fathom understanding God as being a helper to mankind, as to being a subservient, second-class citizen to mankind. Rather, it's far more accurate, far more uh, congruent with the, the body of Scripture to understand God as a saving God, as a competent God, as a strong God. So you know what? We cannot, we cannot use this verse to understand women as being simply just a helper for, for, for man, as a helper for mankind, right? But rather, women are equally strong. Women are equally capable. The beautiful thing about this thing that God has designed in Genesis, which he's calling us back to, is he's inviting us to a beautiful participation, He's inviting us to this beautiful mystery where together, man and woman, we might be able to see one another's face, where we might be able to see one another's identity, where we might be able to see the inherent worth and the image of God in one another, and that we might be able to recognise that and that we might be able to find a way to lead together. This is the partnership, this is the great collaboration that Jesus was, sorry, that God was painting in Genesis for us to be able to model and to use in our society. So friends, we've got an invitation would we recognise one another's strengths? Would we recognise one another's passions, one another's interests? And would we learn to lead together in this society? Would we learn what it is for male and female to, to lead together, to, to go and take on the great stewardship commandment together? Would we learn what it is to labour side by side rather than as a, as a tiered system? Because again, friends, our society is not well. And our churches are not well when we subscribe to this kind of theology that women are not at the same level of value and of calling as men. Our world desperately needs this message, church, because our world is really hurting. You know, I should have, I've just had a thought, I should have brought the statistics that we used for when we did our Women's Day um, fundraiser 18 months ago. But for those of you that are new in the room, we, did some, uh, we keep a lot of numbers with our programs, especially our programs around youth. And, and so we sort of track how people are going with uh, mental health and homelessness and all sorts of different things. And one of the things that um, shocked us was just how much adversity so many of our young people are facing. 
But as we dove into the numbers further, what we found was, was that young girls are facing more adversity than the young boys. We found that young girls have got lower levels of self-efficacy and of confidence and of uh, 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 just an ability, oh, sorry, not ability, just a recognition of their abilities, and they're facing more adversity. And so there was a, a need for us to be able to find a way to be able to bridge this gap so that our society might be more just for young girls. See, one of the things that pains me is that often I'll have a conversation with a young person, especially like one of the young girls at youth group or in one of my previous jobs, and often I'd have these conversations and I'd get so upset and I'd get so frustrated because it felt to me like as if they'd been robbed. It felt to me like as if they'd, they'd believed a lie and as if they, they just were being robbed of their destiny. Let me give you an example of how these conversations would often go. So I'd sit down with... One of these girls, like picture it being a youth group or picture it being at the football club or something like this, and I might say something like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Who do you want to be when you grow up? What do you imagine your future to look like? And I'd get pain because so often for these girls, it'd be their identity for the future and their future plans was so often more determined by their boyfriend or who their future spouse would be. It was more determined by uh, the way some guy would make them feel as opposed to them understanding their inherent dignity and worth and their own gifts that God had installed inside of them. And I'd become so heartbroken and so frustrated by this because I just felt like shaking these young girls, just saying, don't you understand that you were made in the very image of God? Don't you understand that you have got dignity and worth? Don't you understand that God has given you gifts and skills and talents for a purpose? Don't you understand that you've got this calling upon your life? But these girls had been robbed of this, not because anyone had come and violently ripped it away from them, but rather they looked around the, the world around them and they just saw this stereotype, they saw this narrative, they saw this social script, they saw this cultural bias, whatever you want to call that thing, and they saw this thing and they understood that their lot in life was simply just to be a, a girlfriend and a wife. And don't get me wrong, being a wife and a mother is a beautiful, beautiful thing and it's a wonderful thing. It's something that we should all aspire to do and there's so much richness and fruit in that and that's not what I'm saying at all. But rather what I'm saying is, is that these girls have got talent buried inside of them and they've got a calling buried inside of them but so many of them have forfeited that because they don't understand, they don't recognise that they're actually designed for something so much more. Is it any wonder that these girls therefore grow up to experience more adversity and, and face more powerlessness? Is it any wonder that these girls grow up and they are taken advantage of and we see these horrific statistics? Is it any wonder? But it's not supposed to be that way. I keep coming back to it. It's not supposed to be that way. The, the image that God created for us in Genesis was of man and female together. Man and female equal. Man and female equal opportunity, equal calling, equal gifts, equal dignity, equal worth. There's no tiered system in the kingdom of God. That's why in Galatians 3 verse 28 it says that there is no tiered system. There's no Jew and Gentile, male, female, slave, free. There's no tiered system in the kingdom of God. So for these girls, I get so frustrated because I'm like... Why is it that we allow a culture and a society to rob them of their destiny? Why is it that we allow a culture and a society to sell them a, a, a broken alley to be able to walk down? See, the boys, they're different. They grow up understanding that they're going to be a superhero. <laughs> they grow up believing that they're going to be the superhero that saves the princess. They believe that they're going to go out and they're going to impact the world. And they go out and they start businesses. They go into tech. They build homes. 
they become lawyers, they do all sorts of things. But these girls, they grow up with this understanding that they are simply a princess that's there to be rescued one day. Church, if our societies become more just, we need to find ways to celebrate women, to celebrate more than one story of women. And, and females, if you found um, your story has been that traditional one and you found so much fulfillment in it, that's fantastic. I'm not knocking that story. I'm just saying that there's so many women in the room that they look at the story and they find there's an internal tension amongst themselves. It's like something's missing. Something doesn't feel right. I'm, is there not something more than this? This doesn't feel fulfilling to me. I feel like there's something more to life than this. But this stereotype is so strong and it's so powerful and it's so overwhelming and it's so noisy. It's kind of like, how do I break free from that? Or am I even supposed to break free from it? And if I don't feel like I fit this, what's wrong with me? So many women have got this um, shame from, oh, it just doesn't, I don't fit the stereotype. There must be something wrong with me. I must be a naughty person. But again, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And Jesus modeled this so, so well to us. There's this famous story in Luke, I think it's chapter 10, something like that. Uh, yeah, Luke chapter 10. It's of Mary and Martha. You guys know the story. You know the story so well. And in this story, there's Mary and there's Martha, and Jesus comes to the home and he's doing his thing, he's teaching. And Mary. She goes and sits at Jesus' feet. And this was so countercultural. So you see, in, in those days, women were excluded from pursuing intellect and, and, spirit, and religious power and authority and all this sort of stuff. They were excluded from many of the prayers that the men went and participated in. And so by coming and sitting at the feet of Jesus, Mary was taking on the posture of a student before a rabbi saying, I want to become a rabbi like you. This was totally out of bounds, totally off limits, totally not what you're supposed to do. Martha, meanwhile, is fulfilling the, the cultural role, the cultural stereotype, and is running the household, and is in the back room, preparing the meals, doing all the rest of it. And she becomes grumpy, and she becomes agitated, and so she calls out, and she's like, Jesus, can you really allow this? Come on, Mary, where the heck are you? You're supposed to be doing this with me. You're not conforming to the idea that, that society has for you. You're doing the wrong thing. And Jesus just goes, no, 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 you don't get it. She's chosen something so much better. She's chosen well. And you know, scholars have taken this scene and they've pulled it apart and they're continually astounded by it. They've, and they talk about, get this, they've talked about how it's hard to fathom a more revolutionary scene in that day than this. Commentators write and they talk about how it's hard to, to come up with a scene that is more pro-women in that day than this, because again, we, we don't understand the cultural background here. We don't understand so much of what's at play. But against this backdrop of women, you're excluded from participating in certain activities in society because you're not fit for it. And then here comes Jesus and says, No, no, in my kingdom, in the kingdom of God, women are invited. Come on in, Mary, you're invited. You're allowed here. Mary, you're a daughter of mine. You're made in my image. I've called you. You've got the inherent dignity. You've got inherent calling upon your life. Mary, come and sit at my feet. Come and be my student. Come and be with me. Don't feel like you have to conform any longer. Come and be free. What a scene. And so friends, as we come to this Mother's Day, the question becomes for us, how will we advocate for women in our society? How will we advocate for the dignity and the calling of women everywhere? Will we 
walk into rooms like this one, where we walk into a household or where we walk into a, a workplace or where we walk into a school ground or a, a sporting club or the pub or when we walk into these environments, what voice are we going to give? Are we going to give the voice of Martha, of saying, come on, fit in the box, come on, tiered system, come on, you're neglecting your duties, come on. Or will we give the voice of Jesus to Mary who says, come on, come right on in. Come take your seat where you belong. Come on, come right on in. Take this opportunity, take this freedom. Let me empower you today. Friends, when it comes to doing justice, it's not necessarily a case of us having to go down the street with picket signs and a parade and a cease work type of thing. All those things are great, but in our everyday life, with our, with our spouses, with our family members, with our colleagues. How will we advocate for justice? How will we advocate for the way of the kingdom of God as defined by Jesus? How will we do justice? For me, as I read these stories and as I grapple with this issue, because I know it's an uncomfortable issue, and it should be. Whenever we talk about justice, it should be uncomfortable. If it's not uncomfortable, then we're probably not doing a very good job. And I'm really sad that we still have to have a conversation about this and consider a justice. Like 2022 and we're still talking about this issue. But for me, as I've grappled with this one, I've come to the conclusion that one of the most powerful things that I can do as a man, one of the most powerful actionable steps that I can do as a follower of Jesus, is that I can sit and I can listen to the stories of the women around me, to try and find how I am participating in an unjust society. I can, I can, um, sorry, how I can, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. But so much of what our um, spiritual journey is, is simply just sitting and being still and inviting the Holy Spirit to illuminate the parts of our heart and the parts of our character, the parts of our mind, the parts of our bias that don't belong. So much of it is simply sitting and being humble enough and inviting the Spirit to transform us from the inside out and to illuminate those parts that don't belong. So much of justice starts with our inner work and starts with my inner work, starts with a recognition of humility and of understanding that there are parts of my life, there are parts of my being which are contributing to inequity everywhere. And so men in the room, I'm inviting you in a as safe a manner as what I possibly can today. Would we go on a journey of listening to our wives, listening to our mothers, listening to our grandmothers, listening to our daughters, listening to our colleagues? Would we go on a journey of listening to them and finding out about how our behaviours are impacting upon them, but further than that, greater than that, would we sit, would we be still, and would we invite the Holy Spirit to illuminate how we can change from the inside out to be able to make a more just society? Would we find a way, men, to champion women today? Would we find a way to celebrate women today by doing the internal work inside of us? Would we find a way to go back to the original scene in the Garden of Eden of Genesis and would we find a way to be able to invite women to participate in equal value and equal calling?
And women, the invitation extends to you also. In this story, it wasn't a man that called out, it wasn't a man that complained about her, her sister experiencing freedom and doing something she shouldn't have been doing, but rather it was a woman. Mothers in the room, let's champion each other, hey? Let's find ways to continue to champion one another and encourage one another and push one another forward. Let's not find ways to pull one another back, but rather let's find a way together to create a more just society. Now, I'm going to close here. I thank you all for participating with me in this conversation this morning. Sorry if I got a little bit stuck there for a moment. But can we all just um, close our eyes just for a moment? I'd love to pray for you. Heavenly Father, just thank you for all the women that are in the room. And God, we just pray um, a great blessing upon them. We just pray that you may illuminate ways of their calling and of their value to them today and this week. I just pray that each day that as they go on their journey with you that they might discover more of your image inside of them. I pray that they might discover more of who you've created them to be. I pray that they might discover more of how to follow you each and every single day. And God, I just pray for opportunities for these women. I just pray for open doors. I pray for favour in their households and in the world at large. And God, I pray for um, the men of the room. And I just pray that we might have a humility and a courage to be able to continue to champion women by first doing the work ourselves to find how we might be participating in an unjust society. Even if we participate in a just society so much, God, there's still more that we can learn, more that we can do because our society is so sick. So God, I just pray that that us men that are in the room, but also the men that don't yet know you, I pray for all men that we might find ways to champion women, to be able to honour and esteem and respect them just as you intended. Father, would we become more and more like your son, Jesus. And God, I just pray for our community at large. I pray for our women. And I especially pray for our young girls at the moment. In such a confusing world. And God, I just pray that, um, that people might just come to know the freedom that it comes from following you. The freedom that comes from your name. And so this morning we just pray that our wider community might slowly, day by day, just become more and more in line with the kingdom of heaven, that it might become a more loving, a more just society. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for participating in this conversation. We actually got a little present for all the uh, mothers in the room today. So we've got all these kids coming in through the back here. And so we've got these flowers up the front here. So these kids are going to come and grab some flowers. They're going to be coming around distributing them to you. Oh my goodness, you guys are so fast. Uh, as they're doing that, feel free to stick around, have a conversation at your tables, encourage one another. The guys are going to stick some music on. Thank you so much for coming to um, be here this morning and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to know more or you want to connect with us and find more resources to help you be with Jesus, you can head to www.tarascommunitychurch.com.au. Have a blessed week.